0: You are listening to The Family Culture Project, and this is episode number 15, Opening the Door of Your Home, with special guest Jen Schmidt.
1: We're Carl and Kimberly Amici, and we're here to help you to live a life of purpose with the ones you love.
0: And become the family you are meant to be.
1: Hospitality is important to us as a family. Carl, I'd like to hear why opening up your door is important to you personally.
0: So so when I was growing up, one of the, the things that I really enjoyed was the fact that we would have these basically tournaments. We, had, we lived in a fairly small house, but we had these tournaments in the back of our house. And we were back up against a bunch of other houses, too, so there was a lot of people around. Um, but we would create these handball tournaments and... Um, and and we also did ping pong. So it was kind of handball and ping pong in our house, remembering that it's a small house, but we'd have these tournaments and the neighborhood kids would come over and and we'd have fun together, right? We'd be competition, but um, it was just a good time to get together with, with people in the neighborhood. And I really desired that for our house and our, our family. And, and I know it's going to look a little different here because obviously the houses are a little bit further apart. It's a little bit different, kind of a, an atmosphere just um, just from a city perspective, but, um, I really wanted our home to be a home that was open up um, to to our kids' friends and where they want to really be and hang out and enjoy it. Because I like having fun with our kids' friends and hopefully they like having fun here as well. And, and hopefully we can just be a good influence over them in their lives and growing up. But if they're not getting some of the things that they need from home, we can also be a respite from that perspective as well.
1: Yeah, I can totally identify with that. I loved hanging out at my house in the front yard and having people gather and having people come. I would say that I was a little jealous of other friends because they all, they, they seem to have homes where everybody wanted to be. And even though I did experience people coming over pretty often, I for sure knew that I wanted to be the parent, the the place where my kids wanted to come and bring their friends. And I wanted to be the cool place, but also, you know, as I, got older and we had a home of our own and we moved from the city to the suburbs and i realized that friendship and community looked much different than when i was working full-time and when i was living in a city where everybody was looking to meet people it didn't take me long to understand that if i wanted to make friends and if i wanted to be a part of people's lives that i needed to open my door because i wasn't getting the invitations that i was hoping to get i wasn't getting invited to other people's homes And for me, in order to pursue community, in order to pursue friendships, to create friendships and create relationships, I had to be the one to invite people over first.
0: Absolutely. You had to do it on purpose. Right. So it's 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 intentionality. Um, And our and our guest speaker talks a lot about that in the interview. Um, How do you think that opening our doors to others has impacted our children?
1: Well, I love that our children are just gaining life skills because we often have people over they're quickly learning how to serve people how to value people they'll answer the door they'll welcome people into our home they'll ask for their coats ask them what they'd like to drink they're learning how to serve people they're le- learning how to live open and generous lives They're learning how to um, connect with one another in a very real way and I think it'll serve them well as they're older, when they leave for college and when they get into a work environment where they're meeting strangers.
0: Actually, the other thing that I just thought of when you were saying that is that, and that's all true. I think the other benefit has been that our children understand tidiness and, and, and the chores that they have and why they're doing them. So they understand more than the fact that mommy and daddy are just asking them to do it, but it's all about hosting, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you have a house in chaos, you, it's hard to have somebody over. Um, but if you have, um, that discipline around um, knowing that you're always potentially hosting at any moment in time, they understand, I think their chores a lot better that way. It doesn't mean they don't push back once in a while, but mm-hmm. certainly they understand it from the concept of hosting mm-hmm. and being an inviting home. So so the fact that we've incorporated that, it gives, it gives meaning to that versus mm-hmm. them just begrudgingly doing it. Why does our home have to be neat? They know why.
1: Yeah. So It's basically shifted their perspective on personal responsibility and how they take care of their room, their toys, their home, and they understand that it's about more than them. It's about other people.
0: Right. Absolutely.
1: So Jen Schmidt recently wrote a book called Just Open the Door. The book was fantastic, and it was jam-packed with what it takes to open the door. It literally unpacks this topic that I know intimidates and makes some people nervous. The interview was just a sneak peek of what's in her book, but based on what you heard, what stood out to you most in the interview?
0: Well, the main thing that stood out to me is that um, hospitality, we think about hospitality um it looks very different for everyone and and it's not and and she and she points this out night really nicely is that hospitality isn't just about having a big party with a whole bunch of people over. Hospitality happens in the simple small moments where you just invite somebody over for a glass of iced tea or a tea um and you just have good conversation with them. That's where you can be the most impactful so hospitality isn't just um being the place where you have big parties and everybody wants to come and, and entertain because you don't get the robust conversations that you do on the one-on-one. And the other thing that stood out to me is that you just start, just get going. You were talking mm-hmm. about this a little bit earlier is that you You had to you know, bite the bullet get into your, you know, an uncomfortable place and invite people over to your, to your home and to participate in your life and you, you and theirs in their lives. And, and, and you made many good friendships that way, where if you said nothing, you would be living much more isolated. So, um, I think that, that the encouraging part and, and what she, um, points out in her book is just get started. I mean, and it's the little things, Mm -hmm. it's not big parties. It's, it's have somebody over and and, and and learn more about their life and they'll learn more about you and, 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 and it builds community. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that by the end of this interview, you'll feel a lot less pressure when it comes to connecting with people. You know, one of the stories that I want you guys to listen for is the story about a couple who transformed the culture of their neighborhood by just doing simple things over time to create community. I love when she talks about that and it gets me excited and it gets me hopeful When I'm thinking about my neighborhood and my ability to create an environment of community.
0: Yeah, and it's a bunch of small, simple steps. It's not one big bang. It's like we had one big party and it's over. Because remember, you know, we've all had parties where people are there and gone and and they're not reciprocating. You're wondering why it's don't don't let that discourage you. Continue on. Be the person that is actually bringing the community together. And it's the little things over time. You'll see so much impact. Um, and, and you'll, and you'll be happy that you did it.
1: Hey there. Did you know every family is known for something? What do you want your family to be known for?
0: Download our free family culture discussion sheet in just 30 minutes. You'll explore who you are as a family and discover who you want to become together.
1: Go to www.thefamilycultureproject.com and start living a life of purpose with the ones you love today. Today, we have the pleasure of having Jen Schmidt with us. For the last decade, she has been encouraging, challenging, and cheering on women to embrace both the beauty and the bedlam of their everyday lives on our popular lifestyle blog, Balancing Beauty and Bedlam. With a variety of topics, from easy dinner ideas and personal finance to leaving a legacy, Jen equips others to live a life to the fullest, reminding them that it's the little things that really are the big things in life. She's a popular speaker, worship leader, and founder and host of the annual Becoming Conference. Jen shares with humor and authenticity as she invites others to join her on this bumpy, beautiful life journey. She is the author of Just Open the Door, How One Invitation Can Change a Generation, along with her Lifeway Bible study, Just Open the Door, a study in biblical hospitality. Jen lives in North Carolina with her husband, five children, and a few too many animals and an available sofa for anyone who needs it the podcast this is super exciting to get together and talk about hospitality which is one of my favorite subjects
2: so fun
1: Um, so you just recently wrote a book called just open the door and at first glance it appears to be a book that's just about hospitality but your tagline says how one invitation can change a generation and i'd love to hear more about that idea
2: Absolutely. Well, you have caught on to something, and I keep reiterating the fact because, of course, if someone's going to give a two-word sentence or two-word phrase on what's about, they say biblical hospitality. And yet, mm-hmm. when we were planning the title, I specifically did not want the word hospitality in it because, in this day and age and culture, with Pinterest, Instagram—that <laughs> <together>. that works. <laughs> yeah, that works. Pinterest and Instagram we have this preconceived notion of what hospitality is. And it's not the hospitality that's outlined by Jesus in scripture. It's more of a a social entertaining with tablescapes and, you know, lingering um, four course meals. And so I wanted to spend time really diving in and reframing and reshaping how people think about biblical hospitality. And that begins really with just one-on-one life giving, simple invitations of welcoming people in, whether it's our home, Um, but it doesn't have to be. Some of the Mm -hmm. chapters I go into, hospitality on the road. And so what I've realized in looking at my own life, that tag, how one invitation can change a generation, really came from different periods in our own family life where We invited one person into our home and were able to connect and point them to, you know, who God is, who he is in our life over apple pie and simple conversations. And um, and then really uh, the tag came from one guy in particular who i wrote about in the book uh who ended up coming and living with us and for just a small period of time and he had never been around a gospel-centered family had never been around even um a solid marriage his parents had never married and so it was the first time he was introduced to uh what having christ at the center of your marriage, your family life, your decision-making could be. And ultimately, uh, he named Jesus as Lord and is now chasing after Jesus in his own life. So it's so humbling to even reiterate that story, because just our invitation he slept on our sofa my thrift store sofa he was in our boys' (laughs) room. it was nothing polished I did not you know I just welcomed him into our mess because we had a bunch of high schoolers and little kids at the time and said here's my table here's my sofa we would love to welcome you Um, and in the process his generational tree now his legacy has been shifted because of hospitality
1: oh that's amazing I love I love that I think we forget the power that we have in simply connecting with others and, and just being a part of their life and allowing them to be a part of ours.
2: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Um, You mentioned in your book that when you were growing up, your parents had a culture of an open door in their home. I'd love for you to tell us what that looked like and the impact it had on
2: you. Yeah. Well, so growing up um, well, I'll start at the very beginning, and that was um, I was adopted. So they really opened the door. The The greatest gift of hospitality is adoption, both in our spiritual and, you know, for me, mm-hmm. physical life, because we've been adopted and grafted into the family of God. But for me, it was, in fact, a very literal sense that they opened their door to me as their daughter. And then it went on. I didn't realize that it was anything countercultural it just was normal to me the door was always open and it was not never ever anything fancy we had a small house at the time and but people knew that if they needed a place to stay or missionaries needed a bed or um you know someone was invited for dinner it was just an ordinary couple really um living out the gospel with an open door policy really mm-hmm. and so I didn't know that that was anything out of the ordinary. Um, I think it was a little bit more typical, you know, decades ago than it is now. We've uh, we've become more of an isolated uh, culture these days. Um, But all of a sudden, it really hit me when we did a surprise birthday party for my dad. And I'm trying to think if he was 40, 45, whatever the, the... Age was at the time. And so a lot of people were there, and we spent a kind of a time of blessing and a time of honoring. And all these people sharing their stories about how my parents had invited them in, whether it was for just coffee or for a meal, or they spent the night. And story after story started, um, you know, trickling out of ways that their lives had been impacted by my parents open door policy. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that that is how I wanted to live my life. And I know that a lot of your listeners, you know, they think back and they say, well, I didn't have that modeled for me, or I don't have that legacy. I don't even know what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And I'm so encouraged to just say, you know what, your legacy begins today the past is behind and you set your new course because my mom grew up in an alcoholic home. Mm. So I'm the beneficiary of her breaking that cycle. Yeah. And starting New. She could never have friends over. She could never have people in her home because it was a volatile situation. So for those people who are thinking, I don't know where to start. I say, just start, just open your door. It might be as simple as just extending a simple invitation for coffee or store-bought, you know, muffins or meeting someone at the local Starbucks, but you just start with what Jesus did. Simple invitations. Come with me, join me, sit with me. You know, he never did anything over the top with how it's modeled in scripture. They were always very simple invitations.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. And that's, what's amazing about culture is you make a decision to do something small steps over time, and then you don't even know you're doing it anymore because it becomes natural and your your kids pick up on it, the people around you pick up on it. And it's it's such a it's wonderful, and it's simple. And that's what we want our listeners to know. Um, yeah.
2: In I the book, I, I call it the trickle-down effect mm-hmm. because it just starts with that one person, that, that multiplication process even if we just extend an invitation to one person and impact that person's life we have no idea in 5 10 20 years the multiplication effect that's going to occur because we've impacted someone and someone else has impacted someone and it just you know blossoms from that so i love to think of how that trickle down effect we we might not ever know the ultimate outcome um so we just step forward in faith right with a simple step of obedience and say okay lord i'm willing i'm available i'm i'm nervous about this i don't yeah. know what, you know, i don't know what to do I'm, i don't feel like i have this gift of hospitality but he's equipped us because nowhere in scripture does it say that this is only a gift for some personalities or right. a gift for some who like to cook it's not it's pursue hospitality in romans it's you know mm-hmm. i hate to say it's a command because it sounds so judgy but it is yeah. it's a command and so he would never ask us to do something if he right. did fully believe that we've got the capabilities to yeah. walk into that with freedom.
1: Well, I think that there's, a, there's definitely a difference between entertaining and hospitality. And when people Absolutely. hear hospitality, I think they think entertaining. Absolutely. So They think that they need to be producing something or creating something um, when that's not true.
2: Right. Because entertaining, we kind of see it as a product, right? It's a one and done event. And those are wonderful. I mean, if, if the people listening, like some of my best friends, they have this special gift of creating beauty around a table or with their foods, and they love using that to bless other people. And then I say, oh my goodness, please put me on your invite list because I'm to <laughs> be at that table. But that's a one and done event. And so what i want to encourage especially since you are focusing on family is that it's this legacy of hospitality that um biblical hospitality isn't a one and done thing it's Mm -hmm. an ongoing process pursue in when you go back to the greek it's an ongoing active verb that is continual Mm -hmm. and so when we take away the expectation of these big events, and we look at them more as, oh, the doorbell rings, and instead of us doing the stop, drop, and roll, hi, kids, hi, nobody answered the door, uh, which happens to all of us. Yeah. And it, um, we look at it is as, okay, so maybe a friend is at the door, and let's look at that interruption as a divine invitation. So mm-hmm. maybe your laundry's on the on the couch, but that's okay, because you're doing real life, that is yeah. life, right? So. Yeah.
1: Yeah some of my dearest friends are the ones that came from them saying can I stop by or I'm down the street can I pop in or hey can I just come over and hang at your house and those relationships have blossomed because there's no pretense I don't they don't they don't worry and at first I was caught off guard but now I'm like please don't, don't wait for me to remember to ask you. Just come over. Um,
2: well, I always like to say, okay, people need to at least give the bra and broom text. <laughs> okay, are there men that listen to this podcast? There well, might be. <laughs> but you know, like make sure yeah. that you're presentable and that yeah. I can at least um, quick sweep up the dog hair, right? Yeah, so, yeah. A little notice. Uh,
1: yeah, 10 <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that's helpful. Definitely. Um, So in the chapters on neighbors, you said that neighboring well doesn't happen by chance, nor does it happen overnight, but we have to pursue it. So I firmly believe that nothing happens by accident. Um, Culture is certainly not created organically. So tell me what neighboring well looks like.
2: Well, I think that's a question that everyone needs to just really reevaluate based on where they live and i'm going to talk specifically maybe about even your literal neighbor if we look at the uh if we look at the greatest command mm-hmm. um, love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength which if you've grown up in the church you have done coloring pages after coloring pages about that right and then it continues on love your neighbor as yourself and i think in our culture we downplay the importance this is the greatest command it's this twin emphasis. He didn't Mm -hmm. stop at just loving the Lord your God. He continued on to say, loving your neighbor. And that's going to look differently for everyone. But if we want to be very practical, Mm -hmm. do you even know your literal neighbors? Do you Mm -hmm. even know their names? Do you know where they work? Do you know what's going on in their life? And so sometimes people ask, well, I don't know where to start. And I said, open your door and look across the street or look to side or wherever you live. If it's not in a, you know, in an apartment complex or or at your office, maybe in your cute, you know, your cubicles. Maybe mm-hmm. it's the person in your cubicle right next door. And so, if we're purposeful and intentional about taking a step forward, it's um, right now we're heading into summer. So, being really practical, let's th- get the grill going, throw a couple extra chicken breasts on this coming weekend, and it might take um, us humbling ourselves and getting rid of the guilt, you know, guilt off, grace on, and realizing we've waved to our neighbors for the last year. Maybe we have said, hey, as they're cutting their grass, but we've never actually pursued them Mm. and attempted a relationship. So maybe this is just the time you walk across the street or down the, you know, down the street and say, hey, you know, we've waved at each other for A year. And I want to change that. Um, I'm Jen. I would love to, you know, we're putting some burgers on the grill. You guys want to join us tomorrow night. It can Mm -hmm. be something as simple as that. Um, So neighboring well, looking out for their best intentions and trying to create a relationship that goes Past the superficial, um, mm-hmm. I have a great story in the book. And actually, I the latest Lifeway Bible study that's out is my Bible study called by the same title called "Just Open the Door." And so, the girl that I write about in the book, I asked her to come and be a guest on one of the videos. She is an introvert. She is was fearful and paralyzed about any kind of hospitality. And so, she she's very honest and just said, "Jen, um, anytime the neighbors would." say anything about getting together i've used my baby as my excuse well my baby is three (laughs) that excuse anymore and she said she was so impacted her neighborhood wasn't connected you know they would do the the head nod and drive out but she said a couple moved on to their street and i when we talk about shifting the culture of a neighborhood Mm -hmm. this couple moved in and said I want, they were almost like the ambassadors of connecting. They said, I want our neighborhood to be a place that my kids think fondly of and that we are there for each other. And she came in and started planning outdoor movie nights in their yard on Friday. She came in and said, hey, 4th of July, kids. She sent an email to their you know, housing group or whatever. Mm-hmm. Let's do a parade, kids, decorate your bike. They started ordering a food truck. Um, the way that this couple, impacted the culture of their neighborhood Um, my friend Shelly said it took only two years and by the end these are people that are now her friends and if she goes to the hospital it's her neighbors that she knows she -hmm. could call Mm -hmm. I love that it was this couple pursuing and they didn't know they didn't have relationships but they stepped out of their comfort zone and just took that first step to say hey Let's neighbor well and let's do life together. Even though they were from different backgrounds, different political backgrounds, different mm-hmm. faith backgrounds, um, they created a culture of connection.
1: I love that. I loved what 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 they did with their intention and and two years is not a long time. It it, it really isn't. Once you start making those steps and making those connections, I think that's fabulous. I love that. Um you know opening my door and having people over come, comes naturally for me we host our small group we have had neighborhood parties like you talk about last summer we last minute decided we wanted to have a neighborhood block party we live on a busy street so we don't get to have block parties like the side streets do right, and so we yeah. had a backyard block party and I, we were had the kids make up flyers we dropped them in mailboxes and i was amazed at the amount of people who came and the amount of people that said i've been waiting and wanting to do this forever. I've lived here for 15 years and I haven't done this, or I've lived here for 10 years and I don't even know my neighbor. And so that comes, I I love that. But at the same time, as I was reading your book, I was really, I really realized that I'm probably not so great at making people feel seen and heard and welcoming them because I tend to stay busy and I want to facilitate it. But at the same time, I'm expecting everybody else, like my husband or the kids to like greet them and get their drink. I, I just kind of like, Mm-hmm. Stay. <laughs> so I would love to know how can I, I guess, do both. Like how can I how can I welcome people into my home, but also invest in them personally and make them feel welcome, and not get so caught up in the, mm-hmm. the busy. Yeah.
2: Well, and that's why we go. Why I always bring people back to it's a. It starts with the one-on-one, life-on-life, or small groups. Like if we look at how Jesus kind of walked his road of welcome mm-hmm. while he okay, let's make the analogy between you and facilitating big group interactions, yeah. right? Yeah. So Jesus went and spoke to thousands at a time, but then where did he spend the majority of his time? It mm-hmm. was with a small group of people of disciples with Mm -hmm. a small group. And so though it's in those moments where we can take the time and be intentional about making people feel valued and seen and heard the big type of fun party events or groups or gatherings Mm -hmm. or potlucks or picnics, they are fun, but they are that step in order to get Mm -hmm. past that first connection, you know? So, so if someone hosts a potluck, Um, You're not going to have the time to go deep necessarily. You know, sometimes it happens if it does, wonderful, but that's not necessarily the setting, but it is the stepping stone then to be able to follow up with someone and say, oh, I enjoyed so much talking with you at our backyard picnic. You know, you want to come over for coffee or you want to meet me for coffee or, Mm -hmm. you know, and then that's where we've got the opportunity to kind of start beginning to step past the superficial.
1: Yeah. Um, or even, Hey, I didn't get a chance to talk to you. Exactly I would love to connect good. with you more. So, you know, and then that, yeah, that gives you the open door.
2: <laughs> and I, I love looking at my introvert friends for that because a lot of times they are just the best at that because mm-hmm. sometimes extroverts, and I can say this cause I'm more of one, mm-hmm. you know, we want to facilitate and we want to make sure that everyone, you know, we keep the conversation going and sometimes yeah. we don't always feel comfortable if there's silence Whereas it's in those silence and those moments where we can calm our hearts and really listen that we start connecting. And so I learn, I see, even though my introvert friends will say, Jen, hospitality doesn't come naturally. That's when I go back to, you're viewing it as entertaining hmm. and I I point out in them ways that they have made me feel seen and heard and loved. And they did that without realizing it. And they were showing me hospitality, but they just didn't understand the difference. Yeah. And so yeah. it doesn't necessarily look like big meals and tablescapes. Sometimes it just looks like folding laundry together and sharing each other's story mm-hmm. and welcoming people and saying, just, come as you are, you know, Um, because none of us have a perfect life, you know, it's a vulnerable place to welcome people into our stories and our homes, Um, but we need to do it, because that is, it's in that, it's in the messy, where we point others to him, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely,
1: so I know we create culture when we start to take steps in a certain direction, and but what about the kids? I mean, part of creating culture has to do with teaching our kids to do the same. So what are some things you've taught your kids to do and what are some suggestions you have for us when it comes to getting the kids involved?
2: Well, in Just Open the Door, I have one whole um, chapter that I focus on creating that welcome home Mm -hmm. um, mentality because isn't it everyone, and not that it's a Norman, Norman Rockwell painting, it never is. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's for more, sure. Yeah. It's more like comic strip crazy in our house. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we open the door, we impact not just our children, but in parenting, in modeling for our children, the good, bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I think of it in terms of a generational legacy. I am making decisions and choices for my children that will ultimately impact my children's children. Yeah. So doing life, we as we open the door and we welcome families or missionaries or strangers into our home, we're modeling the gospel lived out in the everyday. And so our children are seeing us. Being obedient to not only the great commandment, but depending on who we've invited, the great commission by, mm-hmm. you know, we we put the word evangelize and it, it's like fingers on a chalkboard because, oh my goodness, I can't share. But no, it's not about, you know, whipping the Bible out in your first five minutes and sharing the four spiritual laws. It's about inviting someone into your life, sharing your story, and we all have a story to tell. Mm -hmm. So when our kids were little, it looked like having people in all the time, so it teaches them flexibility. It teaches them servanthood. It teaches them to share, right? I mean, all of a sudden, you ask your children to give up their bed or their toys or share, and if we're open to being the kind of mom or the kind of dad that is okay With acknowledging that our kids have some serious sin areas, because we all do, Mm -hmm. hospitality, more than anything, it brings those out. Because all of a sudden, we ask our, you know, we give somebody our kids' bedroom, and they throw a little tantrum that they don't want to share their favorite toy. Well, then- (laughs) Opportunity for us to work through that and to talk through that, and dem- demonstrate generosity. It's an opportunity for them to learn practical life skills. Our kids at early ages were cleaning toilets and emptying the dishwasher, and and it's more work when they're little. But now it is just the best thing ever. I've got yeah. some. Oh my! My eldest just got married. I feel. Oh my good. gosh! And my baby is still, you know, uh, fourteen. So I still have a few more years, but. Now it's amazing to see how they step into this life of welcome. In mm-hmm. fact, um, this week alone, I got two I got, I got two texts, um, one from our son that said, hey, mom, some guys I know need a place to stay for the night. Can you just open your door? And that's kind of a big joke. Yeah. And I said, hey, <laughs> you know, when do they need to come? Well, in a typical 20-year-old guy fashion, um, you know, two days. So I said, "Great." So we didn't know these guys at all, um, but they needed a place to stay, and it was supposed to be for one night. It ended up being for five days. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he's living; he's leaning into the fact that this is how we do life together. And yeah. now on Saturday, um, another guy that we only met once um, is from Spain and got an internship in the states and needs a place to stay. And someone said, "Well." why don't you ask the Schmitz? I bet they'd let you stay there. (laughs) You know, we're opening, he's going to be with us for a couple months. So we have that opportunity. So our kids are all part of that. Mm -hmm. They realize that all kids have that entitlement mentality because goodness, I have that entitlement mentality Mm -hmm. sometimes, right? (laughs) Um, But they're realizing that we can give up control. And if you model giving up control Mm -hmm, and flexibility when you're younger, Then it's just all part of the process of being more, you know, being more like Christ, being image bearers in our everyday life.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. I love that. It sounds like you're going to have a fun summer.
2: (laughs) Well, I did say, oh, I had to totally up my food game this week um, because, you know, my big boys are out of the house, so it's been my teenage daughters, and they're good with just like salad and some chicken. (laughs) Uh, and, or a bagel. And so I've had to up my food game, but there's also something to be said for those of you, that's like a next step hospitality. Obviously Mm -hmm. I'm not telling people you need to have people stay overnight for weeks at a time. Right. Right. I mean, that's a, as you pray about it and get to that point, that doesn't happen. It's happened because I've had decades of hospitality and knowing that it'll be okay, but I do also set expectations. So when this guy Um, approached us about living with us this summer, my summer is already really busy and I'm traveling and we're gone. And so I have freedom. I wanted to extend biblical hospitality, but it's okay to put some boundaries in place and some expectations for overnight guests. And I just told them, I said, you are more than welcome. I'd love to have you. Um, But um, maybe, you know, you need to buy some of your own food. i when, when we eat at the table, I'm passionate about family dinner time, but it doesn't always happen. So I said, you're more than welcome to join us when we do, mm-hmm. but know that it's not going to be, you're not going to have a meal made for you. And you know, yeah. he's in his twenties, it's okay. He can, you know, cook yeah. something up or buy it. So it's okay as we're developing that as part of our family culture, mm-hmm. um, to have boundaries need to be, uh, in place as well. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, I like that you brought that up.
1: So can you give us one last word, word of encouragement for those listeners who just might feel overwhelmed about taking that first step?
2: Oh, yes. Um, take a deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> um, because God has equipped us so exactly where you are in whatever season in life. Um, he doesn't ever say something like pursue hospitality as a command without fully knowing that we can take that step. Mm-hmm. Um, and so pray about where that what that might look like in your own life. What does that step of obedience look like? It's gonna look differently for everyone. It may mean you start with taking your hospitality on the road, because if we look at Jesus, um, he was essentially homeless. When you look at his, his acts of hospitality, it was where he was ministering, wherever he went. So it might look like, um, being really purposeful and praying today, Lord, open my eyes where I can pursue someone else's heart, where I can minister with gestures of kindness, gestures mm-hmm. of welcome. Sometimes we downplay those simple acts of including someone. It may look like at your sports, um, you know, wherever you are with your kids, it may mean just reaching out to that woman next to you that's in her phone and introducing yourself or striking up a conversation that will set you up for a relationship over the course of the summer season or at the mm-hmm. pool um, just kind of getting out of our comfort zone so it's gonna look different for for everybody but do it yeah, <laughs> just start
1: absolutely all right just let us know where we can find you online
2: Absolutely. Most every day. I am on Instagram at Jen Schmidt underscore beauty and bedlam. My last name is S-C-H-M-I-D-T underscore beauty and bedlam. I write at beautyandbedlam.com. My blog is Balancing Beauty and Bedlam. So I've been there a long time and Twitter and Facebook, same thing, Uh, beauty and bedlam. (laughs) Started that a long time ago. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us
1: today. Check out our show notes to find everything we talked about on the podcast today, as well as links to find Jen online and her new book, Just Open the Door, How One Invitation Can Change a Generation.
0: The Family Culture Project has a great website, but do you know what's an even better one? My wife's. She's been at this blogging thing for a while now, and she has a lot of smart things to say about faith faith family and community.
1: Aw, thanks, babe.
0: When you're done listening to this episode, head over to KimberlyAmici.com and see what I'm talking about.
1: And don't forget, family culture is not about perfect. It's about purpose.
0: Hey, that's my line. To learn more about The Family Culture Project, go to the thefamilycultureproject.com. Today's episode was produced by Kimberly Amici, Noelle Rhodes, along with production assistant Melanie Torres. The Family Culture Project is part of the Juniper Collective, a network of podcasting vision carriers who believe every person can have a better life.